0: I was debating whether to be down there or up here, but I'm so used to being up here, so I don't want to change the rhythm, so amen. Uh, good morning, church. Hope this service up to this point has been very filling. Thank you so much for all the sharing. Uh, Lauren, thank you so much for uh, sharing uh, what you shared uh, from India. I pray that a lot of us one day uh, will be able to visit places, not necessarily in the India, but places that will change our heart, Amen. We're going to go right into the text. We're going right back to Joseph. Please turn with me to Genesis 39. Ed is in Minneapolis right now, uh, asked to teach at uh, a ministry training academy. And so he's there right now. He should be back here sometime uh, this afternoon. But uh, So I have the privilege to continue our exposition on the book of Genesis. Let's just always remember who the main narrator is and who the main character is. It's always God, I firmly believe that, even reading the scriptures now for over 20 years, I always have to go back that this is uh, about God and his story. And it is history, but it is his story. But we are going to focus on Joseph this morning. So if you have a Bible, uh, follow with me in Genesis 39, verse one We read the entire chapter this morning. Verse 1. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh 's officials, the captain of the guard, brought him bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph and he prospered, and he lived in the house of the Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household. And he entrusted to his care everything he owned. For the time he put him in charge of his household and all all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So he left in Joseph's care everything he had, with Joseph in charge. He did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. Verse 11. One day he went into the house to attend to his duties, and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, Come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her household servants. Look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been, brought to, has been brought into us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison. And he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care. Because the Lord was with Joseph. And gave him success in whatever he did. Amen. Been wrestling with this scripture all week. What direction should I go with this? As a disclaimer... There is an overlying theme that is present throughout Genesis. Especially since Genesis 12 with Abraham, God promising Abraham that he would be with him. He did the same with Isaac, he did the same with Jacob, and now his son Joseph. This phrase, God is with you, is obviously noted in this chapter as it is mentioned four times: verse 2, 3, 21, 23. Moreover, the text says that Joseph prospers mainly due to the fact that God is with him. But since we have preached on this theme on several occasions, and will continue to do so in later passages, I pray that perhaps maybe God wants us to take a step back and let's focus on half of this passage. There's a great case study here when it comes to temptation, isn't there? And this is where we're going to put our focus on this morning, amen? You may be sitting here this morning facing some type of adversity, just as Joseph was. I mean, let's think about it. God took his mother at a very young age. That's something, that's a trauma right there. Not only that, but he was abused by his brothers. He was taken away unjustly into a land very far from his family. That's adversity, isn't it? Or you may be sitting here this morning struggling, fighting some kind of temptation. I hope this text today will help you in either one or both. Amen? Amen. First of all, let's, take a, let's ask the question. How do you view temptation? You see, temptation is a test, it's a trial, but it can be very fierce and quick can it you know it is an unexpected assault from the demonic world from satan's army or even from our flesh even times god allows it it can come daily or less frequent but it's always usually at unexpected moments when you least expect it temptation is not a sin when giving into temptation that is when it becomes sin but temptation itself is not sin. You follow? It is a trial. It is a testing. Temptation is real. Temptation is a spiritual attack on you, on your mind, on your heart, on what you believe, and who you are and who you'll become. This is warfare, folks. These are not fairy tales. or just concocted imaginations. This is very real. It is not sin to be tempted, as they shared already. Temptation is a testing. It is a common to all men and women. You are not the only one who is struggling with that sin. Amen? I have a lot of scriptures here, but the focus will be here. No PowerPoints, all right? 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. Just listen. Scripture says, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. And we will talk about that today. You will see that in the text. We see in the text that there's this temptation of sensual, sexual pleasure. But before you write off this lesson, because you do not struggle with that, let me offer other case scenarios that you may be involved in. See, I believe as Christians, there is a target on your back. I think a lot of us can agree with that. and believe so, that target is even greater, the higher influence, the greater influence you have in the kingdom and in this world. It's by why we need to constantly pray for our leaders, our elders and our deacons. Pray also for me. It's not just sensual pleasure that we see in the text here. But it's also Greed which the scriptures say is idolatry. Anger, uncontrolled anger, selfish anger. Covetous, desiring, deceit, theft, stealing, cheating. Cheating on your taxes, cheating on your exam, cheating on your papers. Not taking credit, not giving credit where credit's due. Ambition, selfish ambition, selfish advancement. We're going to talk about that. Complaining, grumbling, discontented, criticalness, hatred, hatred, resentment, bitterness, not willing to forgive but hold on to the pain. We will talk about that today. Victimization, self-pityness, oh, no one doesn't understand me mentality, the pain that never seems to go away, coping with drunkenness, with overeating, oversleeping even overworking. Oh, I spoke to my wife about this with women. Do women struggle at all? <laughs> These are the top three that she shared. Emotional and physical impurity, from the thought level to even physical. Criticalness and entitlement, and not wanting to submit and worry. Gonna get an amen on that? <laughs> amen, mean, meaning so that it is true, all right? So I got three points this morning. Number one, what is your reference point? What is your reference point? We look in the text here that Joseph was taken away from his family. Now, who's in the Navy here? Yeah. Okay, so a lot of us, I presume a lot of you, or not even Navy, military. A lot of you here probably are not from this area but let's just imagine for a second and hopefully it's not true for one of you but let's imagine that your parents kicked you out of the house and put you in the military just so they can take you away from home or your siblings or whatever this wasn't your own volition you know but this is what happened to Joseph he was taken away from this his father his family his homeland I mean that's that that's pretty traumatic would you say and only that, but he was sold into slavery. <laughs> he, he's not his own. He has to follow orders. He has to submit to people, to a nation, to a culture, to a religion that he was not even raised under. I mean, imagine Lauren, was shipped to India. She grew up in the church, or D, or or Jarvis. We read today, You know, we heard from today, and they went to India to serve a Hindu god to hit a, uh, serve a Hindu master and to be surrounded by Hinduism. I mean, how, how traumatic can that be? I don't know. And, and you lost your mother. You see, I wanna, what is your reference point? Think about a spectrum right here. I believe all of us fall on one end or the other, some more deep, some more farther than the rest, okay? On one end, there's victimization. This is the, no one understands me. This is what happened to me. This is the pain and hurt. This is, no one relates with me. We're gonna talk about that. On the other end, is this entitlement. These are the rationalizations, I believe, why we give in to temptation. You're either somewhere near here, or you're right here. Entitlement, it's not that bad. I'm not that bad. It's not gonna be as bad as that person. We're always arbitrary, subjecting, the rationalization of why this sin is okay for me. Everybody's doing it, even my leader confesses it, and I deserve a little pleasure, okay? I'm a hardworking man or woman, I deserve this. And then there's the other side, victimization. Let's talk about victimization for a second. The point is here's is what is your, what a question I'm asking we're asking today is what is your reference point For victimization the reference point for a victim mindset is the past becomes your defining moment Choosing to live under a victim mentality only destroys you Think about it A traumatic experience in the past a loved one was taken away from them You feel worthless something bad happened in the past that you think that no value, there's nothing to come good out of you. You give in, you give in to other people for, for their acceptance and to anything. Maybe, maybe that our promises were broken. Maybe there are hopes that were dashed. Maybe trust was broken between you and somebody that you loved and cared about. And you find it very hard to trust other people, you're always on guard. And ironically, the people that you tend to go to are people that you do not trust. And only the mistrust grows more and more. How about, how about abuse? Nobody wants to talk abuse. I'm sure there's some, at least one few in this room that have been abused, whether verbally or physically. You know, you become angry. <coughs> you, you start regretting. And, and ironically, that anger is turned on the people that you love the most. And whatever reason it is, you do not let go of that pain. And you keep it there. And what's only happening is not only you're destroying yourself, you're destroying the people that you love. This is, you know, and and, um, even even worse, that we, we succumb to other devices, other chemicals, to cope and to medicate that pain. And this is also happening to Christians, folks. You see, Joseph was sold, he was sold by his brothers into slavery. He was sent away from his family. You know, even, even though Joseph was abused by his family lost his mother when he was young, you would think that he would let this be his reference point and defining moment. But that is not what we see in the text, don't we? At least the scriptures do not mention that. You know, Joseph's reference point and defining moment, surprisingly, was not what had happened to him when his brothers abused him and sold him to slavery. We don't see that in the text, don't we? The text does not give a hint of such a mindset. Instead, Joseph was focused on who he was becoming. Focused on what God had planned. I must say... Back then, there were not too many distractions like iPads and televisions and movies and, meet and beat headphones or whatever. I I, I would want to only want to speculate, but there were a lot of campfires, a lot of stories from Grandpa Isaac talking about their great grandfather Abraham, about the dreams that they had of of, of his father Jacob, but the dreams about the latter. About the dream at Bethel. You know, the the, the encounter that their great-grandfather Abraham had with God, that God says, I will make you into a nation. Your your line will be as numerous as the stars. Not only that, but your your family line will benefit, other nations will benefit from your family line. Perhaps Joseph remembered that, didn't he? Possibly. I think he did. That was his reference point. What was Joseph's reference point? What was his defining point? We see that this text says it, his past did not define him. It did not define him. He was looking into the future. Do you, you see that? He did not allow his past to define him, but he looked forward. Joseph did not want to jeopardize what God had in store for him, at least in his line, for his family line. He trusted in God. He knew that God was with him. He knew that. Not only did he know it, but Potiphar knew it. And Potiphar saw it. You see, as, as, as Christians, if you, if, you have been, if you have repented and been baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, like Willie, what, 40 years ago? 30 years ago? A long time ago. When I see my brother, it is so obvious what his reference point is. A single man Content where God has them. I know my brother's reference point. It was the day when he made Jesus the Lord of his life. And I'm sure he's had many struggles and temptations and even fallen to sin since then. But he comes before you today as a a victor. A brother that I want to imitate. You know, as Christians, we have a reference point. If you've been baptized, you are a new creation, 2 Corinthians 5. Ephesians 2, you are are created for good works. You are prepared in advance for greater things to come. Amen? Number two, point number two. It is not where you are, but it's who you are now and becoming. It is not where you are and how you got there but it's who you are now and more so who you are becoming you know James chapter 1 verse 12 says blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him you see in the text here Potiphar's wife when when she saw Joseph she desired him She desired him. But you see, that word desire is really a neutral word. In the text here, it it, it has this this lustful desire of wanting to be with a person. But see, Joseph had a desire too. While Potiphar's wife desired lustfully for Joseph, Joseph desired passionately for God. see... When temptation happens, we need to think, don't we? The reason why I I fall into temptation is because I'm not thinking, I'm feeling. Whether it's victimization or entitlement, I am feeling things. It is the reason why Jesus tells his disciples in the garden, watch and pray. For the body is weak, the flesh is weak, your heart is weak, it is deceitful, you cannot trust it. Pray, and the reason why we pray is so we can think, we can remember. There are two things at least here that Joseph Joseph did. He thought about who he was now and who he was going to become. He did not focus on the past or the entitlements that he deserved. He was focused on the present, and how do we know that? Well, we see this, let me take a pause here right now. Temptation, right? There's at least five things here. That shows us really quick. I'm going to segue here regarding temptation. Does anybody, does anybody want any tips on how to fight temptation today? All right? This is a big one. But let's let, let just pull off to the side here from, with the scripture. We see here in Genesis 39, in verse 7. After a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. Number one. Refuse it immediately. Refuse it immediately. Whatever temptation came his way, he refused it immediately. It's like smoke. You know, you don't want to breathe that. It just gets worse and worse. You know, at the moment that he he smelled it, he saw it, he he said, no, I don't want any part of this. Number two, refuse and reject all excuses. And that was my first point. If your reference point is somewhere in your victimization and self-pity, or entitlement, thinking you deserve this, reject them. Because we see here, Joseph, he, he, he had a good rationalization. It's like, my, my master has entrusted me with everything in this house. How dare... I mean, he's putting all his trust in me. How can, I, how can I do this? How can I betray my master? That's a good reason, isn't it? All right? But he didn't leave any excuses, even when there was nobody watching. No, nobody's going to catch me here. You see, the, the victim mindset thinks like, you know what, I, I, I shouldn't even be here as a slave. I mean, I was put here unjustly. You know what? It's, you know, It's very promiscuous back in the day with slavery and with women in Egypt my understanding, they're very promiscuous, especially those who are are in high positions because their their husbands were always busy. They're always doing something. They were being neglected. So here was an opportunity that probably was happening in the culture, and Joseph had a grand opportunity for possibly advancement. Well, here's a powerful woman. She can help me out here. You know, I'm a young guy. She has needs. I have needs. My needs are being neglected. Her needs are being neglected. Nobody's going to know. It's not going to matter. You see, that is very poor thinking. That's very bad thinking. Very bad thinking. You know, Joseph. Joseph was, was concerned with his walk with God. You know, the the, the third the third thing we got to do is we got to re- we got to refuse repeatedly, repeatedly. No, 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 no. I mean, I, I uh, a, a while back. You know, I, my, my internet and my surfing is monitored by several people, including my wife. And there was a night where I was weak. I was weak, and I clicked on an image. It's like, oh, it's not going to be fine. It's going to be a small thing. Boy, has this software covenant eyes stepped up its game. Because I got calls and email, and my wife saw it. Tony, Tony Williams from Richmond saw it. Others saw it. Remember the remember the the uh, the point that Ed gave last week? If you were here, the beauty of being busted. Yeah. Oh, I was busted. But you know what? It was a defining moment for me because it has been victorious ever since that phone call from Tony. And you know what Scripture he shared with me? Genesis thirty-nine. You know, Kirk, you you have been entrusted with much. It was it was such a graceful. It was only maybe a minute and a half conversation, and it was just enough to change my my perspective. Not even the littlest things. It was I was falling into entitlement, like it's going to be small. It's not as bad as it was in the begin as, as as I was a young guy. But I from that from that conversation, I I vowed that I will say no. Ten times, even a hundred times. Even if a thousand times, whatever Satan puts before me, I will say no as many times as I can, as I want to. Because God has entrusted me with so much. He's entrusted me with so much. It's not just my job. I have a wife. I have a wonderful, beautiful wife. It would crush my heart to see her. You know because of a poor decision that I made or I make you know thinking about the present, who you are now you know I am I am a Christian I am a godly man I am a husband and I am a father of three wonderful girls not only that I, I God is giving me responsibility more than I can handle in addition to that you you as the flock of the Hampton Church are counting on me to do my job righteously behind the scenes What little did I have? You put your trust in me. How can I dare mess it up? Even when nobody is looking. Oh, it doesn't. No, it does matter. It does matter. Even when nobody is looking. It does matter. See, that's that's, that's thinking. That's praying. God helps remind you who you are. It's not your reference point has to be who you are. That you are in Christ. You are a new creation. You are prepared in advance to do greater things. You see, Potiphar saw Joseph working in his life. Potiphar, whose name means, it's a derivation of the sun god Ra. You know, he was a pagan. He was successful. He was prosperous. But he was lost. Let this not be a lesson that if I obey, if I do well, if I'm righteous, I'm faithful, and I'm steadfast, with my walk with God, that things are going to go great. No, that is not what this is about. You'll see here in the passage very quickly that even if you do all the right things as a Christian, it doesn't necessarily guarantee that you will be prosperous in your eyes. Because God is something greater. He saw Potiphar, an ungodly pagan man who took advantage of Joseph. You know what? This guy, I'm... Ever since I brought him to my house, everything is profitable or going well. I can do more things and more adventures. Who knows what he was doing? You know, what is God doing in your life right now? What is God doing in your life right now? Yes, teenagers, I'm talking to you too. You see, if you allow your past or some hurt you experience be your defining moment. And yes, it happens even after baptism. And all you can think is that shame, that sorrow, that tragedy, though painful it is. And we're with you. That trauma, that decision, that loss. If that becomes your defining moment, one of the things you may not be able to see is what is God doing in your life right now? If you are so focused on that pain, you are being blindsided. You're, you're not seeing what God is doing. Scripture says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 that we are being renewed day by day. We as Christians, we are being transformed. We are greater every day, even, even after loss, even after mistakes, even after temptation, even after we give into sin. That is how powerful the grace of God is. Yes, Joseph could have thought, somebody stole from me. Somebody stole from me. I do not deserve to be here. I did not ask to be here. Since I was stolen from, I'm going to steal too. Since I'm a slave and this woman is powerful, maybe I should indulge like a king. It does not matter. Oh, Yes, it does matter. Joseph did not think like this because he was aware of how God was still working in his life. And also, Joseph was aware of God's presence. Let's think about the future here. One of the reasons how he was able to fight temptation is that he remembered how good God is. He says in verse 9, first of all, he called the sin as it is. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't minimize the sin. He says, how... How how can I do such a great wickedness and sin against God? A good God. A God who's so loving and so caring and so providing and so patient and so forgiving. How can I how can I even dare to sin against him? That was his heart. I mean, if, 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 if if you can just even leave away just with the verse 9, if you can memorize verse 9 and let that be uh, your weapon of choice every time when Satan comes attacking you to give in to whatever that he is putting before you. How dare I commit such a great wickedness and sin against such a good and loving God? Amen? Amen. You know, jo- Joseph was not focused on the past. You know, Philippians chapter 3 verse 12 says, Not that I have a... Not that I've already obtained all this, or I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and striving what is ahead, striving what is ahead, You see, here's the reality. Joseph does all the right things, doesn't he? At least in the text. He does all the right things. He's wholeheartedly devoted to God. Doesn't complain. He doesn't fall the victim card. He doesn't have the entitlement card. He does all the right things, and one would think logically that he would get all the right things. Not yet, not immediately. But instead he gets jail time. He gets jail time. He's he's devoted to God, he's pleasing God, he's obeying God, he's steadfast with God. What does he get? He gets jail time. You know how long he was in jail? At least two years. You know he's probably taken away when he was seventeen, he was serving under power for about ten years, around twenty seven. It wasn't until age thirty something amazing happens. A lot of you probably know that. You'll see that in, in, in a later lesson. But we're talking about Joseph right now. He's in prison again. But perhaps Joseph was just one step away. One step away from something big. Wow. See, when we, when we hit trials and, and, and temptations or whatever it is, when, we're, when we feel, find ourselves feeling alone and abandoned, we, we're, we're, we're tempted to think, where is God? Has he abandoned me? Why is he so absent? Do you hear me? Do you see what I have been so faithful to you, yet you do this to me? What if temptation is just a testing? A trial to test and prove that you can handle temptation when you'll be at a higher position one day. When the stakes are even higher. In this world and in the next. Brothers and sisters, as an administrator of this church, I have great ambition. Ambition is a neutral word. Itself, it's selfish ambition that can get me in trouble. You know, I had no idea when I was in the Navy, that prison cell of a boat under the water <laughs> called a submarine, <laughs> and when I was working in the high towers uh, of, of, a, of, a, you know, of an accounting firm, buried in paper this high. Now, this reminds me of a story here. I was a senior, I was a, I was a senior associate, and being a senior associate in, a, in the corporate world, you have the you have the benefit or privilege to train and to have interns. This is back in 2006. There was a very young, attractive intern uh, that was a, that was uh, assigned to me. It was just her and I. So you know, my wife knows this already. Um, you know, she would laugh. I would laugh. Um, we got along. I'm spending in busy season about 8 to 12 hours. Yeah, people come in and out, but we have this office, this auditing office. It came to a point Well, I was thinking about her a lot. Like, I was almost, like, really... I wanted to go to work because of her. And there were times where my wife and I weren't doing well. You know, I'm so indebted to Howard Henry and Rob Jeffers back in the day. They were one of my close friends. They were my groomsmen. I remember at a D time, I confessed everything. I just let it out there. It's like, this, this woman is is really enticing me to take that steps further and I'm a Bible talk leader I was overseeing marriage then I remember the the soberness of my two brothers as they were sharing this you know what they loved me so much they told me exactly what I needed to do no it wasn't to leave my job I still had a family to provide though that was an option by the way They told me, because I'm a people pleaser by nature, and I don't want to hurt anybody. But they told me very clearly, you need to be as cold as you can be towards this woman. You got to be cold. No more laughing. Don't worry about what's going on. Just be absolutely cold. And invite her to church. Start sharing your faith. And I, I, I have to say, that was, a refining, that was a defining moment for me, among many others. <clears throat> Who knows where my trajectory would have been had I, had I not wrestled and had I not been open. You know, the brothers told me to flee, to say no, to reject it immediately, to focus on God's goodness. See, brothers and sisters, I don't know where you are this morning. But I just want to, just want to encourage you that you serve a very loving God. Amen. The reality is that you may not get the good things that you may think you'd be getting. But we have to remember here that Joseph was put in a very, very tough position. Yet God was with him. And he prospered. Not in the eyes of his, uh, not in his eyes, but we know, we know as the, uh, we know 2020, we see what's going to happen, but it's a remarkable story of a man who did not fall on either end of the spectrum of entitlement and victimization, but his refining point was always God. It was always God. It was those stories that he must have heard at the campfire. What is it with you? Let me put this before you. If you find yourself in either a victim or an entitled mentality, when bad things continue to happen to you, it does not mean that God has abandoned you. Perhaps, and please listen to this one, perhaps it is just God planning something greater for you. Amen. Just think about it. Just, he was in prison, and two years later, we're going to see in the text that he was second command of the greatest nation on earth back at the time. See, Joseph can handle the temptation. He proved to the Lord that he can handle temptation. What it really comes down to for Joseph is that he really cares about his relationship with God. Now that's integrity. Even when no one is looking. Because there is always someone looking. And we can find comfort in that. God may put you through trials and through temptations and through different things that they are there to prove and test you that you can handle temptation. My last point, point. it's a quick one. Now you're ready to go here and practice fighting temptation. (laughs) I love what, when temptation comes, hold on to your precious treasure. I love what Lauren shared today, where your heart is, where your treasure is, excuse me, your heart will be also. I want you to think the next time you're tempted, you sing that song, I hear God singing to me. I hear God singing to me in the midst of your temptation. Because you know who you are now. And you know you are becoming somebody greater. And the angels of heaven weren't just in your life when you got baptized. They are there rejoicing and watching you glorify the Lord. What is your treasure? My treasure is, is my family. My wife is my treasure. The integrity of my marriage is my treasure. And I will not do anything to violate that covenant. Brothers and husbands, are you with me? You know, I am a father. That is my treasure. I have three beautiful, wonderful girls I pray every day. And I can't wait to meet my future sons-in-laws, because they will be my treasures too. (laughs) You know, my, my job, my work, my responsibilities, my duty, my body, my mind, my heart. These are my treasures. Because this is what God has given to me. Because He loves me. And because he loves you, you have great treasure. Joseph had a no, 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 no. You have a stronger no. Titus chapter 2 says, for the grace tells me to say no to ungodliness, to be self-controlled, to live godly lives. But you also have a greater yes. You got a big yes. Your yes is Jesus. You have been forgiven, you see you we, all of us here, have a greater reason to say no. And we have a greater yes to choose righteousness. Can I get an amen? amen. When you see that image, brothers. When you see that, that possession, that device or whatever. When you know that there is some temptation to be critical. Stop it there. Because you've been given so much. Because you've got a treasure. Whatever pain. How hard it is. Let it go. It is for a purpose because God is defining you. You have a defining moment and he is defining you still. Are you you with me? If sending me to prison or a difficult ministry or a challenging mission location or perhaps relocating to a rougher neighborhood, working for a lower paid income or being childless or remaining single, or perhaps enduring a difficult physical condition. Whether you have it or you're the caretaker. Or even sickness. Then so be it. Because I will, church, we will, remain righteous and true to the Lord. Amen? Amen. Because it may very well mean. It may very well mean that whatever trial or testing you're ongoing right now. When you hold on to your treasure. When your reference point is God, and you are focused on who you are now in Christ, and who are you are becoming, you may just be one more step closer to greater glory. Let's be like this in the coastal region of the Hampton Roads Church. Amen? Yes. Amen.